There's really no reason for me to talk anymore, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> I'm going to anyway. Um, I want to say thank you for your help and your support uh, in helping us set an environment where God is doing the work that only he can do in changing lives and changing hearts. <clears throat> the faithfulness of churches, the faithfulness of God's people uh, is helping us to sustain uh, a ministry in which uh, the contribution that we ask from students or their families when they come in, there's only about a $20,000 gap every year between what we're asking and what it costs. And you guys help us fill in uh, that gap. We have a table in the lobby, and we would love for you to stop by there. There are ways that you can help us there. You can sign up to be a part of, uh, of our newsletter. would love to keep you informed with what is happening uh, in, uh, with Teen Challenge Illinois. There are T-shirts there that... Uh, that you can, uh, you can purchase. There's three different styles. Uh, there's a ladies style. There's a couple of other styles. Uh, and uh, this one says, every life has a purpose. You believe that to be true? Yeah. All right. I do too. I do too. And let me see. This one's a, uh, this one's a small. So uh, Josh, where'd you go? Where's, uh... there you are. Oh, bad arm. There you go. Good. There you are. Um, we also uh, work with a, with a coffee roaster that provides us with a product, and, and we relabel it under Cortland Coffee. Our facility is on uh, uh, Cortland Street in, uh, in Chicago, uh, in the uh, uh, Humboldt Park, Logan Square area of the city, and uh, we have uh, one pound of uh, uh, pound bags of coffee out there. This is the one drug that God allows uh, in the believers' lives. And uh, uh, if you're interested in that, the cost on the T-shirts are twenty dollars. Cost on the on the coffee is fifteen dollars. We have a great dark roast blend. It's just wonderful. We have a decaf uh, for the lightweights among us. And there is uh, uh, my personal favorite is this this organic Nicaraguan. Uh, light to mid roast, just a really great flavor on that. My wife prefers the dark roast, so there's a little bit of a controversy in our house. But um, um, if you're interested, would love to uh, uh, love to talk to you at the table on that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fresh. Uh, the the coffee that we're selling today uh, was roasted way back in Thursday, is when it was. So so uh, that is. Uh, that is that. Talking to you today from uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 would begin at verse 17. And uh, let me say um, uh, just two quick things. First of all, Josh was saying that the, uh, the what, middle schoolers are, are in service today. And I, and I am thrilled for that. I think if you, if you talk to a lot of our guys uh, as far as the way their life began to turn, for a number of them, that's the age at which their life began to take a turn. And so I'm thrilled that you are in the service today. And I also love seeing that the church here translates uh, its services into, uh, into Spanish. And so uh, for anybody listening uh, through that translation, uh, 
it's, it's, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity uh, to share God's word with you today. And uh, uh, one day when we all get to heaven, uh, we'll all speak Spanish, and so an interpretation will not be necessary. But until that day, until that day, we have people to help us out. <clears throat> Uh, and I just, uh, the last thing before we read from Ephesians 4, I just want to uh, say thanks to, uh, to uh, Pastor Brian, uh, who's not here today, uh, for um, the invitation to be here. It's great meeting uh, his wife, Carmen, today, and uh, with him gone, uh, he wanted to keep it simple for everyone, so invited another Brian to, uh, to speak, so... So that should work out just fine uh, for everybody. The Apostle Paul, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, there's a a section of Scripture here that I don't pretend, I'm not saying this morning that God had, or excuse me, that Paul had teen challenge or or, uh, addiction in mind when he wrote this passage, but it fits what we do so well And uh, so I want to share it with you today. Ephesians chapter 4, we begin in verse 17. And there the Apostle Paul writes, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. There's some leverage there. He's saying this is big. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of uh, the ignorance that's in them due to to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. We stop there for just a second. I think it's a great description of addiction. Um, addiction, we understand, is a progressive issue in a person's life. And, and Paul, when he uses words like, like the darkening uh, of, of their understanding, when he talks about hardening, talks about l- losing sensitivity, um, given over, indulging, those are words of progression. Those are words of progression, and that is so descriptive of, of addiction and the addiction process. People wonder, is, is addiction a disease? Well, yeah, it is, but it's not like a lot of other diseases. Is it, is it a choice? Is it a bad choice that a person made? Absolutely, choice is involved in it, um, but at some point, it ceases to be a choice. No one chooses addiction. It was never a third grade classroom where, where the teacher's asking, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I want to be a fireman. I want to be an astronaut. And somebody said, I want to be addicted to drugs or I want to be addicted to alcohol. It's no one's choice from that perspective. Where does it start? Is it sin? Absolutely. It's sin, there's an opportunity, a person takes that opportunity, and something begins to grow inside of them. Our experience would be this, that mostly addiction starts not at the point of consuming something illegal, but at the point of trauma, at the point of pain, at a point at some point in their life when trauma is introduced, many times at a very young age, that one day leads to uh, being unable to cope 
with situations, with anxiety, with, with the difficulties of facing life. And so you begin to, to medicate that, self-medicate that. It's progressive. Oftentimes it begins publicly, having a great time with other people, but it turns dark, becomes progressively private in people's lives. And they say, it is exploding. It's exploding. In the county in which I live, the county which the center resides in, Cook County, you know, we hear, we hear uh, a lot about the addiction issue. We hear about another thing as well, you know, like how many have been told, don't text and drive, right? Wear your seatbelts, some good rules, some good rules to remember. But now in Cook County, you're twice as likely to die from a heroin overdose as you are from a car accident. It's exploding. This divisive time in our nation, we have this great unifying force called addiction. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're religious or irreligious. It does not care how educated you are, how much money you have. It doesn't care of your race, your creed, your color. Addiction is attacking our nation at every segment of our society. Opioids, prescription medications, pain pills. In Illinois, about for every 100 people in our state, every year there's about 79 opioid prescriptions that are written. My wife, this spring, had a, had a tooth extracted, and I uh, had my first ever bout with uh, bronchitis in the same area. We both walked into different medical facilities for different reasons, but we both walked out or were offered prescriptions for opioids. And if you have an opioid in your house, if you have a Vicodin or something of that nature that's in your house, you, 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 take, you took a pill to get over a, a very painful time, uh, an injury of some sort, and there's some left in that bottle. Um, you know that safe you have in your house where you put your most valuable things you want to you wanna hide? You know, it's, that's where the will is and the life insurance policy and maybe a piece of jewelry or two or something like that. Put that prescription bottle in there because the number one way that teenagers start that journey toward heroin is through getting addicted to an opioid first. And the number one place they find that is in their parents' medicine cabinet. Please hide that away. Or flush it would be another opportunity. For me, it's been the pain of watching my beautiful sister, seven years younger than me, watch as addiction has, has absolutely destroyed her life. One of the most painful days in my life was when my dad and I took her against her will and to a treatment facility. She was a teenager. Seemed to get her life together, but it came roaring back and punched hard and has destroyed her life. It's my nephew who is uh, currently serving time in one of our fine uh, penitentiaries in Illinois. Um, a 
addicted to drugs. The violence that comes from that. That's addiction. And Paul says, don't live like that. He says, don't live like the Gentiles. Now we understand what he means by the word Gentile, kind of the dividing of, of the world by, um, you know, whether, it's, whether you're a Jewish person or a Gentile. Came to have a little broader meaning of those who embraced uh, Christ, their faith in Christ. Uh, Gentiles was, was used as a word of people who lived their life very separate from God. And isn't that the way it is with addiction? We, we like to point the finger and say, it's, it's those people. It's the people I see living under a bridge on my drive into the office. It's, it's people who have uh, abandoned their families. It's people who are in prison. It's those people over there, but it's, it's cut across And I dare say today that there's not a person in this room who isn't one of two things. One, you're addicted to something or you're in very close relationship with someone else who is addicted. It hits all of us. It hits all of us. So sometimes we're quick to point that finger. It's those over there. And Paul continues in verse 20, says, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God. And true righteousness and holiness. Addiction, we often think of it as a heart problem. And it's close to that, but I think it's really a head problem. It's a thinking problem. And Paul talks about the transformation that's occurred in the lives of, of the Christians in Ephesus as he says, you learned the truth. You, you learned in regard to your old way of life to be different. You embraced the truth. And he speaks here of a two-step process, a two-step recovery process. He says to put off something, to put off the old way of living, and to put on the new self, to put off. We often say to loved ones who are addicted, we, we say, stop doing that. Make better choices. And we ask them, don't you care about your mom and me? Don't you care about your wife? Don't you care about your children? Don't you care? Can't you see what you're doing? We tell them to stop, to put off the old. Paul says the old self was corrupted by, by deceit. It's corrupted. It's like a, you ever get a, a virus on your computer where all of a sudden your computer starts doing crazy things that it wasn't programmed to do. It starts emailing other people different weird things and, and, all, and all of that. And you can yell at that computer all day long to get its life right. And nothing's going to change until you have a person who knows what they're doing, take off the old virus that has, has affected that computer, and to get the new programming ready to go used to be a problem for me. And I started buying Apple products, and it hasn't been an issue after that. But, uh, 
So Paul says, says to, to put off the old and to be made new in the attitudes of your minds. In the attitudes of your mind. That's where addiction rests. A person who's, who's an addict can, can pray the sinner's prayer. But their mind is still ensnared with that addiction. Addiction has a way of grabbing the part of your brain where desire is located. And it holds on to that tightly. So much so, don't you love your family? Yes, the addict loves their family. But what has a hold of their brain makes their priority to be to satisfy that craving. Yes, they love their family deeply. So Paul says to put it off. But then he says, don't stop there. He says, put it on. Like this morning, all of us got up and went through this ritual that, uh, you know, whatever your chosen articles of clothing are that you slept in last night, you decided to, uh, to change that. You, you took off, you put off the night clothing and you put on the sharp outfit that you're wearing today. On behalf of everybody else here, I just want to say thank you for doing that. We appreciate that. And Paul says, that's the process for change in your life. We often tell people, stop, stop, stop doing that, stop doing that. But, and why isn't that effective in our life? Well, it's like this. I'm trying to lose a little weight. So imagine I walked by this uh, beautiful piece of chocolate cake just sitting there calling my name. And I'm going to put off the old, so, so I am going to uh, tell myself, don't eat the cake. Don't eat the cake. Don't eat the cake. Whatever you do, don't eat the cake. What am I thinking about the whole time? Cake, absolutely. That's all I'm thinking about is cake. And when you try to make a change in your life simply by changing your thoughts toward the old, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, that's all that grips your mind. Paul, instead, he says, you need to put on the new righteousness and holiness. Put that on. He says, they're created to be like God. And I love that phrase. I love that phrase. You, you see these guys standing before you, uh, sharp, you know, hair comb, nice uh, red shirts on and looking good and all that. They didn't all look that way the day they entered the program. They didn't all look that way. But here's the thing you got to understand, not about just about these guys here, but about your, your son or your father or your aunt or your neighbor or whoever is locked in addiction. I can't tell you all the things that took them that place. I can't tell you all the reasons why they're that way. But I can tell you this. They're created to be like God. They're not created to be an uh, addicted person who is hurting everybody, leaving behind in their wake, this wake of destruction. They're created to be like God. The next time you lock eyes with them, no matter how glassy their eyes may be, understand that you're locking eyes with the person that God loves desperately and sent Jesus Christ to die for them. And you can tell that person to stop. You can tell that person, you can ask them, don't you care? Don't you love? Don't you care what you're doing? 
but understand that Jesus Christ died for them. He has a plan for their life. And what you see now is, what you see now is destructive is simply the latest chapter in a redemption story that God is dying to write. Do everything you can to set an environment where God can write that story in their life. Giving your life to Jesus Christ is the start. It's the start, but you have to change your thinking. You have to change your behavior. That's what we try to help guys do. We set an environment where, you know, there's like a million steps between these guys where they were when they came in and where they're going, where God wants to take them. And almost all of them, it's them and God. I mean, that's beyond my reach. That's beyond my reach. But we try to create an environment where God can work unhindered in their life. This morning, I want to hear from a couple of guys who are uh, uh, walking that process now of putting off the old and putting on the nude. Nude. I'm going to ask uh, Jared and Juan to come and to share their stories with us today. Hello. Good morning. Uh, my name is Juan Solano. I'm 22 years old. Um, let's see. Well, I believe everything started off for me uh, when I was in middle school. <laughs> um, you know, growing up, I had everything. You know, I had my father and my mom. You know, had shoes, had food. But one thing that I didn't have was uh, a good relationship with my dad. I. Uh, Never really have had him around to show me how to become a man, what I'm supposed to do, you know. I, so pretty much that's what dragged me off to the streets, hanging out with, you know, some older guys, uh, not too old, but older than me, which ended up to, you know, getting involved, involved with a gang, which, you know, slowly it involved with uh, criminal activity, you know, doing illegal things, started off drinking, um, then, you know, started getting worse and worse, started smoking marijuana. Um, but I believe that I ended up not getting involved in school as much was because I saw the attention that certain people were getting, which was, you know, pretty much the, the cool kids in detention. And, you know, I pretty much went that way instead of the right way. Um, so time went by, you know, I realized that the, the, the life in the, in the streets where I was living was, was going to end up killing me sooner or later, along with my younger brother, which is, he's one of the reasons that I ended up joining the gang was because he was a... a he was forced into one, pretty much, and, you know, me as being the older brother, I thought I should, you know, stand right next to him on anything that he does, instead of showing a good example. Uh, so I realized, you know, realized later on that, you know, we had to get away from that, you know, kept, we kept it from our families, kept everything from them. I decided to step up and, you know, try to get us out of that hole. I did. We ended up moving. Um, but the devil, you know, he, he's, he's always 
He's always ready to get our attention and drag us into back to that hole and dig us in deeper. And that's pretty much what happened for me. Uh, went to high school, good, good high school. Uh, and then again, I, I seen myself not fitting in with anybody there, seen myself as being dumb. Uh, so I ended up going back to the to the old ways to, you know, drinking and smoking marijuana, which eventually ended up to uh, trying heroin. And that's been what uh, pretty much destroyed me, who I was, my relationship with my family, you know, uh, my relationship with my, my wife, who was my girlfriend back then. And, uh, you know, I couldn't do it on my own. I always had a feeling in my heart and in my mind that there was somebody out there watching over me, you know. And uh, been uh, in and out of jail too many times. But this one last time that I went to jail, I was withdrawing from heroin. And that's when I had my encounter with the Spirit and the power of God. Because, Amen. you know, I was really... Didn't know what to do anymore with the withdrawals. I felt like just ending my life there. But uh, I prayed. I prayed that night, and soon enough, I felt that power and that presence of God. And, you know, since then, I've been trying to just chase Him as much as I can. Amen. Which is why I'm here in Team Challenge. I've been here for eight months now, and God has been doing a lot of great things in my life, restoring my family. You know, ever since then, my dad, he was an alcoholic and always doing things his way. Me being in the program, he gave his life to Christ not too long ago. Also. Amen. Which is, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing the things that he can do. You know, he can reach the unreachable and love the unlovable, and that's that's the God uh, Amen. I tend to serve for the rest of my life. Amen. Uh, Amen. verse, uh, Psalms 25:15. My eyes are always toward the Lord, for He rescues me from the traps of my enemies. Amen. Amen. Good morning. My name is Jared Horace, and I'm 31 years old. And I'd like to say I am a recovering drug addict, but my issues started years before I ever picked up a drug or a drink. Amen. Um, uh, okay, I was, I was born, my mother, she was 13 when she had me. Mm. And uh, so I wasn't named or anything. I was given to the system, and they gave me a name. And then I was later adopted by a really good family who gave me another name. Mm. So, um, I remember growing up, it was, uh, it was a Christian family, and uh, I remember seeing, you know, going to church and, and, and reading the Bible and stuff like that, but it was around the same years of uh, <laughs> junior high, I started seeing, you know, people being in different groups and doing different things, and I started to ask my question, who am I? Myself, a question then was, who am I? And... And I realized, you know, I didn't look like my, my family. I didn't come from my family. So I started seeking, uh, 
I started seeking, I wouldn't say family, but I started seeking my identity in, in athletics, in, in friends, and in, in just different activities. And um, the gangs in Chicago are prevalent, and I was young and, and vulnerable, and I got wrapped up in a, in a larger gang on the west side of Chicago. And uh, I remember it started off kind of gradual. They, they introduced me to, to drinking and, uh, and smoking marijuana. And uh, I remember my parents, I, I started coming in late in the uh, middle of the night, my mom and my dad, I'd, I'd come in my room and I'd turn the light on and they'd be on their knees praying over my bed. Hmm. And uh, I shook it off because I was, I was intoxicated. So as time went on, this is about 13, 14 years old, as time went on, um, some, some acts of violence happened in the street that, that made <clears throat> me being out there dangerous as well as uh, I endangered my family. So my parents found this program for me to go to. Um, and it was a faith-based program too, but it was different. They treated us, uh, they treated us, they underfed us, they overworked us, and uh, they dealt with us in force. That's the best way I can describe it. So um, I got used to it, and I, I finished the program. I got out two days before I was 18, and um, I met a girl who, uh, over, the year, over that year, she became my wife. Um, but from the program, I, I, I was on top of not knowing who I was still, I was feeling a lot of pain and I tried cocaine for the first time. And uh, it, it, it allowed me to feel numb to, to everything. My identity issues, my, my abuse issues, whatever I was going through, I was able to feel numb. So that was, that was, that was my answer at the time. And um, I, I was out of the program for a year and I committed a robbery. It was three weeks after my wedding. I was arrested and convicted of armed robbery. I went to prison for three and a half years. And uh, prison was, I mean, it was, it was the same thing, underfed. We really weren't worked, but they, you know, there was a lot of violence in there too. Um, I got released from prison. I was still with my wife and we have, we have five kids now. But by this time, I had done things and, and felt like there was no hope. So I got out of prison and I continued to do the things that, that I knew was wrong and that I, in a way, didn't want to do, but I just felt like, like that was me. So I, had been, I was out for a few months and uh, I committed another violent robbery where I went and I served five more years in prison. Um, and I got out in 2014. 2014, um, my addiction skyrocketed. I, I was drinking every day. I was using cocaine. I got introduced to heroin. Um, I was in and out of drug treatment programs, too many to count. Uh, my wife and kids weren't talking to me. My parents weren't talking to me. And uh, a few months ago, I came to Teen Challenge, and I was broken. Didn't have an identity, didn't have a family. Um, Teen Challenge became my family. I got 
say it stemmed from my adoption, but I viewed adoption as a negative thing. But today I believe that, that God created adoption to, uh, to, to put people in a better, give them a better quality of life. So while I viewed it as being negative, uh, I'm now adopted into the family of Christ. And uh, like I said, I'm adopted by Team Challenge. Um, Pastor Brian probably is the most consistent man of God I've met. Um, so uh, my verse that I want to leave you guys with is Philippians 1.6, and it's, uh, for I'm sure of this, he who began a good Amen. work in you Amen. will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Jared, we prayed for you for months before uh, you came into the program. Your mom called uh, back at the beginning of the year. Started praying for you then. Man, that's what I get to do for a living. Tomorrow when you go to your job, that's where I go. Can you believe it? I get to do that. Ephesians chapter 4, back there. Verse 25. One of my uh, favorite words in the Bible Therefore, whenever you're reading the Bible, a lot of times we read devotionals, and, and maybe you pick it up and a verse starts with the word therefore, and that's where you're beginning reading. Never, never start reading where it says therefore. You got to look back, because they said something good that has implications for what you're about to read. So always remember, you see therefore, go back and look at the verses before, so you can see what the therefore is uh, therefore. So there you go. <laughs> Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're all members of one body. And in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands. That they may have something to share with those in need. And do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. But only, what is, uh, uh, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Paul starts out, he says, man, those Gentiles, they are deceived in their thinking. They've progressively been falling farther and farther away from God. And that's not what you learned. You learned how to put off the old and how to put on the new. And then he says, therefore, you. He's not talking about those people anymore. He's saying you, you, you people who love God, you people who've given your life to Christ. There's implications of this for you. He says, each of you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully. He gives this whole list. 
He says, what do you take off? You put off the the old and you put on the new. You put off falsehood. You put off sinful anger. You put off stealing. You put off unwholesome talk. You put on off bitterness and rage and anger and malice. How do you get rid of those things in your life? You see, it's not just drugs and alcohol that destroy families that hurt other people. When you lie to each other, It hurts, it destroys relationships. Homes are wrecked by sinful anger. Homes are destroyed by anger. What's the message that kids get when they come to church with parents who are saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And then they go back home with parents who are letting their anger fly. What's the message that they get? We're destroyed by stealing and selfishness and taking. We're destroyed by the way people use their words. Bitterness and rage and anger. Paul says, get rid of those things in your life. My friends, if one of those words describes you, there's something God wants to do in your life. There's something that God wants to change in you. And how do you do it? You go around, you say, I'm not angry, I'm not angry, I'm not No, you don't do that. All you're thinking about is angry, and you'll get mad at yourself. So, so he says, instead of saying, just stop lying, stop speaking falsely, he says, speak truthfully. Decide to be truthful. I've had this conversation with a couple of guys, because lying becomes the instinct, right? You know how you get over that? Here's how you do it. You tell a lie, and you walk out of the room, and you go, oh, man. And you go back and you look that person in the eye and you say, I'm sorry, what I told you was not true. It was a lie. You own it right there. You say, that sounds humiliating. Yes, yes. That would hurt your pride. God does not want to hurt your pride. He wants to destroy it flat out. He's not interested in bruising your ego. He wants to destroy that. He wants you sold out to him. You speak truthfully. Pursue truth. Sinful anger. Is it a sin to get angry? No, it's a sin to hurt people in the process. You deal with your anger. You realize that anger is more about you than it is the person that you are angry with. You deal with it, your emotions in a healthy way. You talk to the pastor, you see a counselor, you, you, you find a trusted friend, you deal with it. He says, don't just not steal, but work. And not just work so you can buy lots of great things for yourself. Work so you can share with others and their needs. Unwholesome talk. Instead, speak words that are beneficial to the one who hears it. Say the words people need to hear. You say, well, I was raised where... We're just straight shooters. We just tell people how it is. Well, how about if you start telling people how you would have liked to have heard it? How would, if you tell people what you would like them to say to you when you struggle with your challenge? Speak encouraging words to others. Instead of bitterness, rage, anger, malice, he says, be kind, compassionate, be a forgiver. Do these things and God changes your life. You put off the old, you put on the new. This morning, 
You hear the stories. You, you hear the songs. It's a redemption story. Jesus Christ redeems us from our mess. He redeems these guys from their mess. And he's powerful enough to redeem you from yours as well. So whatever your need is this morning, whatever the challenge is in your life, commit yourself to God. Be changed in not just what you do, but how you think. Let God work in you. Will you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we come before you and I thank you that you are a miracle-working God. And I thank you that, God, the miracle, uh, as wonderful as salvation is, when we move from light, from, from darkness to light, when, when life comes into our dead spirit, there's nothing greater than that. But that is not the end of what you do in us. That is just the beginning. Your work of transformation continues in our life, O oh God, as we allow you to work within our hearts. God, I pray for my friends this morning. I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in their life, what you're doing in this church. And God, I pray that as they search their hearts, that today they would take the step that they need to take. Father, for some, that might be trusting their life to Jesus Christ for the first time, asking Jesus to forgive the wrong that they've done to help them live for him, to work that miracle in them. God, it might be a work as a person struggles with their anger, as a person struggles with honesty, as a person struggles with the use of their words, with their bitterness or rage or their unforgiveness. God, I ask in Jesus' name that they would not only put off that negative trait, but they would pursue the positive trait that you have for them, that they would pursue honesty, that they would pursue right handling of their emotions, that they would pursue the encouragement and the positive use of words, that they would pursue kindness and forgiveness. And God, the struggle's real. May we invite you into our struggle and may we invite someone else in to walk it with us. So our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. This morning, if that is you, whether you are committing your life to Jesus Christ, maybe for the very first time, or you're saying, I've been a Christian for many years, but my anger's out of control. The way I use my words, I'm dishonest. Whatever the issue may be, but you're saying, today, I not only put off the old, but I walk toward the new. Would you raise your hand this morning? I want to pray for you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you see these hands. You see people committing a part of their life to you, committing a habit to you. God, the whys behind the situations that drive us to these habits is no longer the issue. It's the who. The answer is found in Jesus Christ, and today we commit ourselves to you. I pray for my friends, oh God, that you would work deeply in their hearts and in their lives. And I pray for courage for them to not only express 
and to confess this sin to you, but to invite someone else into their journey, that journey toward health and wholeness, that journey toward the life that you have for us. May you give them the courage to take that step today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Two things. If you raised your hand today regarding one of these issues in your life, today you need to talk to God about that issue. You need to get alone by yourself if it's 10 minutes and commit that to God. And second, by tomorrow night when you lay your head down, you you would have needed to talk to someone else inviting them into your journey. You say, I don't have anybody. Look around the room. There's somebody here that would walk with you, would journey with you through that. And if your issue is something similar to what our guys have been talking about today, I'd love to talk with you deeper about that. I'll be out at our table after the service and would love to talk with you about that. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you today. Our choir is going to sing one last song.